Welcome to the sermons of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Fort Capel, Saskatchewan. We pray that this may be a blessing to you, and God's Word would dwell richly within your heart. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Please be seated. The Incarnation is one of the great mysteries of our faith. And when I say mystery, I don't mean something that's unexplained and unknowable, but rather something hidden which God has revealed to us. The mystery of the Incarnation is indeed great, and on the day of Christmas proper, the Church has seen fit to preach this mystery in her readings and prayers. On Christmas Eve and Christmas midnight, we focus on the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. And on Christmas Day, we see the wonderful works of God that are found in it. In the Incarnation, we confess that Jesus Christ is both God and man in one person. And today we will look at what this is and what it means for us. Our Gospel lesson begins with some of the most profound words of Scripture. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In the beginning was the Word. This Word is not the Scripture, of course, but the Almighty Word, the Eternal Word, the Divine Word. For John continues, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We often refer to this Word using the Greek, which is part of the illustration on your bulletin cover, Logos, the Word. This Word is the Son. He is the Word of God and the wisdom of God. He is eternal, meaning that there was never a time when He was not the Word. He was with God, and He was God. Here we glimpse into the mystery of the holy and undivided Trinity. The Word was with God, showing some distinction of persons, and the Word was God showing unity and union of the divine nature. There is one God, and he is one. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Since God is one, his actions are undivided. The Father, whom John here calls God, does not only create, nor does the Son only create, nor does the Holy Spirit only create. God creates. And this is seen even in Genesis. It is hidden, and yet now it has been revealed by God through his Son. For it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all at work in creation. For the Son is the Word of God, and we know all things were made through, and without him was nothing made that was made. Yes, the Word, the Logos, of whom John speaks is the Son of God, through whom, Hebrews says, he has made the worlds, who is the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, and upholding all things with the word of his power. 
This expresses the same truth as the Word was with God and the Word was God, wonderfully, but in a different way. There is union in nature, and yet a distinction in persons. There is one divine nature, for he alone is God, and there is no other besides him. As he says in Isaiah, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and the, I am the last. Beside me there is no other. Yet he also reveals himself to be three persons, the Father, the Son, or Word, and the Holy Spirit. The Father is unbegotten, the Son is begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, as we confess in the Nicene Creed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When one reads this, it's not hard, it's hard not to, rather, exclaim with Paul, Oh, the depths and the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his ways past finding out. How awe-inspiring it is that the Word, the Son of God, through whom all things were made, became flesh and dwelt among us. And here we see the wonders of God. The Word became flesh, yet the Word did not change. The eternal Son of God did not change in the Incarnation so that he was no longer God. He did not change the divinity into flesh, nor change the flesh into divinity. No, he is God, he does not change. I, the Lord, do not change, God says in Isaiah. And we hear of Jesus, the Word made flesh. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Being divine, the Word did not change. He remained God, retained his divine nature. He remained perfect and unchanging, yet he became man. He did this through taking a human nature into his person, so that it is the Word became flesh, but not the Father nor the Holy Spirit, only the Son. He who created humanity took on a human nature to himself. He who created Mary was conceived in her womb. He who was the source of life in whom we all and she lived and moved and had her being received from her nurturing. The great Advent hymn, Savior of the Nations Come, puts this beautifully. Here a maid was found with child, yet remained a virgin mild. In her womb this truth was shown, God was there upon his throne. For even as a zygote, even as a fetus, the Lord Jesus was both perfect God and perfect man. He, so it is that we call Jesus the Theanthropos, the God-man. He is one person, yet with two complete natures. In him, Paul writes, dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Yet he is true man, consisting of everything that makes someone a human, having a body, a soul, a will, etc. These natures are distinct, yet they cannot be divided. For while there are two natures, there is one person, one Christ. So, we say, so what we say of one nature is said of the whole person. So that, for example, in Acts, the blood of Jesus is called by Paul the blood of God. But what does this all mean for us? Why is it so important that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us? First, he has done this that he might save us. In Isaiah, we hear of it prophesied. 
The Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. In becoming man, the word what has come to redeem us, so that by his life he may redeem us and all those parts of us which have fallen into sin. He took on our flesh to redeem our flesh. He took on our soul to redeem our souls. He took on our will to redeem our wills. Everything which he assumed in the incarnation, he has redeemed through his life and through his innocent suffering and death. For in addition to assuming a human nature into his person, he also bore our sins to make atonement for them upon the cross. One man, no matter how perfect, could not give his life to redeem all humanity. A perfect man could only give his life for one other man. But Jesus, because he is both God and man, has infinite worth, infinite value. He took on the sins of the world to take them away, to atone for them. So he gave himself up to death that we may live. As our reading from Hebrews says, he by himself purged our sins. This he did through his innocent sufferings and death, according to the plan and will of God to save us, to redeem us from our sins and their penalty, which we, by reason of our frailty, have brought upon ourselves. The word became flesh that he might become a second Adam, the head of a new humanity, so that all who believe in him, who have faith in him, are forgiven and united with him, so that he is our head, and in him we are new creations. Yes, the word became flesh so that he might give his life as a ransom for many, that he might lay his life down and take it back up again in order to redeem us and rescue us from our sins. The Son of God also became man so that we, who are by nature children of wrath, could have the right to become children of God. As John writes, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Yes, all who believe in him and so receive him by faith are given the right to become children of God. Not that we change our natures or that anything is added to it, but rather God causes us to be born again according to his will so that we are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And being born again in him, by him, he calls us his children. He calls himself our father and us his children. He, Paul writes to the Colossians that Jesus is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. He is called the firstborn from the dead because of his resurrection from the dead. He is the first person to rise from the dead and never to die again. There were resurrections in the Old Testament, yet those that were raised died. Jesus raised Lazarus. Lazarus. He raised the widow of Nain's son, and yet they, in time, died. When Jesus was raised, he was raised to never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And Paul writes again in Romans that those in Christ are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son, that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. So it is, dear brothers and sisters, that God makes us his children according to his will 
because of what Jesus has done for us. Because the word became flesh and died for us and rose for us by faith in him, we may become children of God. Jesus, who is God and man, is in this way our brother. For he shares our human nature. As it says in Hebrews, both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brothers. He himself likewise shared in the same flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and re release those who through fear of death were all their life done subject to bondage. Yes, he became man that, we might, that he might become our brother and rescue us, that we might become children of God and receive the inheritance of life everlasting in the presence of God. Yes, life free of sin, life free of temptation, life free of illness, life free of hurt, life free of death. Yes, brothers and sisters, this is why the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that through faith in him, we might dwell with him forever. Thanks be to God. May God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the only God, keep us steadfast in this faith, that through the merits and mediations of Jesus Christ, the word made flesh, we might receive the inheritance of the children of God. Amen. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us. May the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless and preserve you always. Amen.